0: But we can just get ideas from anybody. And how's that working for you?
1: This is The Strategy Inside Everything. I'm Adam Pierno. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Strategy Inside Everything. We are going to have some fun today. I have been going back and forth with this guest for a couple years on different social platforms and um, equal parts inspired and sort of... Uh, watching with uh, kind of rubberneck accident curiosity at some of the comments and some of the feedback that uh, he gets to his thinking from the advertising community and the marketing community at large who do not like the status quo to be challenged. Uh, today's guest is Derek Walker. He runs Brown and Browner advertising and he is also the instigator at an important thing we're going to talk about called the creative Kumite. Derek, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing wonderful this morning. As you know, Oh, Um, Hey, Derek, would you, before we get running here, would you give people a little bit of uh, who you are and what you've done?
0: Okay. I'm owner of Brown and Browner. It's a small agency in Columbia, South Carolina. Don't hate. Not everybody can live in. We call Columbia hell screen door. We're (laughs) always hot. I know you're in Phoenix, but it's a different kind of heat here. This is oppressive heat. Um, But went to the portfolio center after working for, on the client side for Pizza Hut for 10 years, um, left there, went to Kramer Castle in Milwaukee. Oh, I love Kramer Castle. Great independent shop. Went to, went to Falgren in Columbus, Ohio. Did a lot of McDonald's. Yeah, they, doing regional McDonald's that gets national attention, but you get no national credit for it. Uh, you know, uh, I love working at Fahlgren was another great shop. Left there and went to Dallas to Timlin McLean TM, which just announced their closing.
1: Oh, I hadn't heard that. That's awful.
0: Yes, when I was there, they were seven hundred souls, seven hundred people working there. Wow. I think I think with Lanier and Lanier Timlin, he's passed on, Um, and Dennis McLean were partners, and they still when they ran it. the agency they had sold to a holding company, then they got bought back. It's an interesting story with that. Um, my time at at McLean will just gloss over that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the shy day, Barry Brown, which was really interesting. We'll talk about that someday offline. Um, the agency went under because the CO, CMO, COO, excuse me, embezzled. I think close to 7 or $8 million and killed himself. Ugh. That was, what a horrible. Worked at Radio Shack and house Yes, you got did questions. You really? We had answers.
1: Oh my God. Yes,
0: I did. And then I worked, um, oh goodness, IMC Square, which was a digital shop out of Dallas, which had tons of accounts. And so finally after that, I, you know, you wake up and you go, you know what? There's an old blues song. I can do bad by myself. I don't need no one else to make a mistake. And I said, "Well, let's open a shop." And here we are.
1: Here we are. You're doing it. How long is it? How long yeah. has Brown Browner been running? Since 2009.
0: <laughs> you get to a point where time just doesn't matter anymore. You, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm there. So I'm there now.
1: Yeah, it's like I don't count years anymore. I'm just counting minutes to the next deadline.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, you live by projects.
1: Right. Did That's this it.
0: get done? And so people go, well, how long have you been? And then I stop and I go, wow, it's been a decade, 10 years. Okay, I lasted longer than I thought I would, but that's where we are. Um, I'm also starting, well, we'll talk about later, the creative Kumite.
1: Yeah, we'll get, we'll definitely but, get into the creative Kumite because, yeah. it, because the things you point out are, the, the creative Kumite is a direct product of those ideas and that thinking. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so before we get there, I want to set the stage and talk a little bit about your point of view on the agency world. And I promised you I had a big kind of surprise existential question for you. I was thinking about this. I was Mm -hmm. going back and forth on Twitter with someone else about agencies and why there's this whole thing about, you know, are they broken and how can we fix them? And everybody seems to hate them. That works there. And I had this thought. Tell me what you think of this. Do agencies... Deserve to exist. Do agencies need to exist? Does the world need advertising agencies?
0: Okay. Do agencies deserve to exist? Nothing deserves to exist. Nothing. I Absolutely nothing. Um, should they exist? Some of them. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> the best ones or the worst ones? Like t-
0: Okay, I think you need a mix um, Just to remind us You know, some people's entire purpose Is to serve as a warning to other folks Yeah, That's their entire existence um, So some of the bad ones need to exist Here's the problem Agencies are neutral as far as morality is concerned We are neither good or evil the problem is the people running the agencies. Now that's a whole different matter. Yep. And just like I don't believe advertising can die because advertising isn't alive. If you take away the accounting firms or finance people for a business for a client, and I guess that's about it. Who else handles more of the client's money than we do?
1: Yeah, I mean if you're if you, you measured media for them for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, think about this. How come everybody else that handles that much money for a client is accredited, but not agencies?
1: That's a great question.
0: Anybody can open an agency. So what we've done is we're in an industry where if you get pissed off at your boss because you didn't get a promotion, you can go and open an agency, sort of like churches. I don't like what that minister said. I'm going to go start me a church. The IRS doesn't care. They don't question that. And the same with ad agencies. We have no accreditation. We have nothing, no no code of conduct, no set of standards. It's the wild, wild west for us. So yeah, I, I, I totally believe that some agencies don't deserve to exist. And there are some people that don't deserve to be called advertising professionals because you make a mockery of what some of us work hard at. And the clients feed this with, if you... If you focus only on how much an item costs, then you're not focused on quality. You're not focused on honesty. You're not focused on anything that matters, really. You're just focused on cost. You want it cheap and you want it fast. Well, guess what? When you get cheap and fast, you get what you pay for.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: So we've got a class of agencies. And I I say this because when I was at Kramer Cross, I didn't realize how brilliant that agency is.
1: Tell me more about that. I mean, what did, what did you realize after
0: I met Paul council when I Paul, uh, first of all, my interview to be hired was with the CEO and his partner who happened to be the creative director and Neil Casey didn't have a title like EVP, uh, like executive creative director. He was just creative director. Right. <laughs> These two were the first part. They, they were my first interview. And they spent hours with me. So when I got hired, Paul invite, called me into his office and he said, "Um, so what are your five year plans?" And I'm all spitting vinegar out of the um, out of the portfolio center. So I said, "I want to run an agency." He said, "Okay," and he wrote on this yellow pad and while while I talked. He wrote everything down. He said, "So here's what's going to happen. When I call you." You need to come to these meetings. Now, these meetings won't be creative meetings. There'll be accounting and finance meetings. There'll be personnel and HR meetings. But that's what you have to do if you're going to run an agency.
1: He actually and, he asked you the question on where you wanted to go. And then he said, Okay, <laughs> here's how I'm gonna get you there. Yeah. Yeah. And for, so it's so simple, and, it just might work.
0: And he's like, but what you're gonna do is you're gonna do your assignments and you're gonna attend these meetings. Mm-hmm. And everybody, uh, we, my art director partner, he had the same meeting with Paul. He had different goals, but he, he, he managed you by, according to your goals. First, that was something I just thought everybody did in the advertising, because this is my first a- agency in. But what it it led to is, this is why they are independent. They didn't want to give up how they treated people. They had uh, copywriters and art directors that were there for 10, 15 years and never had to do anything but be art directors and copywriters.
1: If that's all they said they they wanted wanted to do, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Think about how how brilliant that is so you don't have to manage to get a raise. (laughs) And my first year there, they were Mercury Radio... They had two Mercury Radio finalists. They had... On Johnson Controls, they were they won a Kelly, and they were producing all this great work. And then there was the Chicago office, there was the Phoenix office, there was um, the Orlando office. Now the headquarters, when Paul retired, moved down to Chicago, where Peter's now the CEO. And Peter was the one who did Career Builders, the monkey
1: ads. That's right, yeah, that's what made him famous. And they
0: and they and they. They resigned that account because the client wanted to, was upset about their USA Today poll and put the, put the account up for review. And Peter, and then we're like, management was like, well, let, we, let's save you some trouble. We'll go away. <laughs> Yeah, We don't need your business.
1: So let's, let's uh, translate that. Let's translate all the things you just talked me through, all those good examples. So number mm-hmm. one, going back to the, the, the last thing you said, career builder, they had a point of view and principles on how they wanted the relationship to work. Yes. And we are going to perform they, this, this for you. We're going to do it very well. And you're going to pay us. Mm-hmm. And if you don't appreciate it, we just won't work for you anymore. We'll go work for someone else. Yes. That is That is very scary, scary how rare that is.
0: Yes. And you asked me how, how many should agencies exist? No, some of them should not. They don't have the <laughs> testicular 42.
1: <laughs> very nice. Um, what is it about the agencies that shouldn't Is that it? Is it principles first? Or is it the, because what else you said about um, your time at CK, that that was very enlightening. The, okay, we're going to manage to the person and their goals to get them where they want to go, which because we've invested in hiring them, we understand that if they get closer to their goals, they will lift this company and our clients. Everybody will win. Um, Is that, how does that translate into the agency world today? As you know it.
0: They have a plan for their people, yeah they have they have a okay, i don't use I, I use these words interchangeable because they're interchangeable to me. They have a strategy for managing their people yeah now- think about well technically, every agency has a strategy we'll work you to death, we'll pay you as little as possible
1: hey it's a it's and a valid strategy. it's working so far is it though (laughs) no 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 it is not i'm just being the smart ass the
0: work hasn't gotten better you know and i'm not that old crotchety guy going you know back in 1942 this was no 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 we have such marvelous tools we have the we have digital we have it's such so so much that we could be working with that the work should be freaking
2: amazing yeah it should be unbelievable
0: yeah. I, I mean, can you imagine what the people that Birnbach had working with him would have done with digital with a website. I mean, okay, he he, he made some horrible, horrible, horrible comments. But look at Neil French as a long copywriter. Yep. If Just- he had give give him give him these long formats of podcasts and um and websites and long, long format. I mean, this storytelling, we we cringe at storytelling, but what, what everybody's trying to do now, there are great writers and art directors that would, I I can't imagine what the art directors of the eighties and the nineties would have would do if you cut them loose on digital, (laughs) Uh, you know,
1: but you know, part of it is (laughs) when I, when I came up on the creative side, I had, a portfolio that I put together in college and then spent a summer interning Mm -hmm. working on it and you came out of portfolio center. So I'm sure it's the same deal. Mm -hmm. It's not that the ideas that I had were better. In fact, I know, and you probably know about your, your entry book, it was terrible, but it was all rectangles that had an idea safely nestled in that rectangle that a person could flip through the boards and go good, good, bad, bad, pretty good. Great and they could judge Mm -hmm. the ideas very simply. When I think about how we talk about is the work good today or bad today, there's no rectangular container for ideas anymore. So it's really hard to judge some, you know, video campaign that jumps sizes from TikTok to YouTube to Twitter to, you know, whatever platform is next as compared to a, you know a series of, of rectangles that you could flip through in a magazine so it's hard it's, for me it's always hard to compare the it's hard to compare eras that way
0: i don't think so for me it's easy tell me more it's, um
2: <sighs>
0: i think about do you feel anything mm. when you watch that tick tock you know do you feel anything when you when you read this Uh, read a social media post from a brand. That's why Wendy's and Oreos and the Twitter, the Twitter elite are doing so well. You know, they reach in and touch somebody. Even now, that's all the great work ever did was it, it made you feel something. Even when it wasn't directed at you, you go, Oh, I see what they're talking about to this group.
1: Right. Well, there's the, old trope we of, have- uh, there's the old trope of long distance calls, which we don't have long distance anymore, but long distance calls that mm-hmm. used to make people cry. Can you imagine yeah. a TV commercial making people cry now? It would be, it'd be hard.
0: No, no, no. I, I don't think so. They watch This Is Us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I mean, people still cry. The human beings haven't changed. This this group of creatives is not talented enough to make them cry.
1: Is it talent, or Irish. is it the way we're directing the 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 work? From the okay. client has a business problem. Through here's the creative that gets produced and is is shared with the audience as intended to see it. I don't think it's a talent problem.
0: I think talent is a muscle.
1: Oh, okay. 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 Yep.
0: And they, we haven't developed empathy in this group of creatives. Oh, where, where they can use their talent, they don't have that must, they don't have that training for it. We've taken and made this thing loveless. Um, I love and shout out to Cindy Gallup. Make Love, Not Porn.": Yeah. Her website is just about that. We've taken and stuff is so hard and cold. Um, that when you see something now, it's amazing when we make people, we make people, I, I can show three or four videos to a a group of USC, University of South Carolina students at the School of Journalism, and I can make them cry. Or I can make them feel good or or great. Kleenex did a wonderful job of that with their series of videos they put out. It's, it's still there. They're, we're still human. But we've sold ourselves that we aren't as human as we used to be. We're that's now analytical true. and logical and so smart and detached from it all. But if that's the case, how did Adele sell so many damn songs? Her and Tim and um, what's the Smith guy? Oh.
1: Oh, yeah, his name's getting away from me. Two, two old people trying to remember a pop artists. Uh, Sam, Sam Smith. Yeah. Sam Smith love songs still sell. You know, that's, that's very Um, true. And, and the way art, you know, even pop music as an art form still pulls the mm -hmm. same strings that hasn't changed.
0: Then why did advertising change?
1: Yeah. Tell me, let's, let's, do you have any theories on it?
0: I think we, we got to results. We got to pushing numbers and data points and analytics, and we, 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 we tried to be so smart when well, we never were the smartest people in the room. We were the most human people in the room. We were artists, and I own that, and I embrace it, and I will die, go to my grave saying that copywriters are freaking artists. Because what we did was we wrote stuff to make people feel we could empathize with them. We saw their pain and their joy and their laughter. We understood the human condition. We got all this information, but we don't understand the people we, we, we have this information about, you know, luxury was never luxury. was never about just a smooth ride. It was about status. It was about mm. how you felt, how you succeeded. There is a um, financial ad, and I can't remember the company, so I guess it sucks, but I've only seen it once. And this young black man is talking to his financial advisor, and she goes, and he says to her, she says, can we make this happen? And she says, yes, we can make it happen. And he goes home. He goes to his parents' house with his wife, and he says, he looks around the house and goes, it's paid for this is your home. We took care of that. And that message right there for, for black children, they're not playing it enough. That message for black children is is so important. Mom and daddy sacrificed so we could get so far. <laughs> yeah. And I said and I sat there and I went, Wow. Somebody got it, sorta.
1: They you almost know? got it. They almost got it. Yeah. But you it's know, it, TV it, now. In the in the early two thousands and the late nineties, not not the you know the good old days, but when I was really paying mm-hmm. attention to creative and really cared about it, there was a lot more stuff that almost got it. That was like, oh, oh that's a really yeah. good idea, but they didn't execute, or they executed something that was mm-hmm. mediocre and brought it up to a better level. Do you think it's the yeah. same now, where there's enough almost close to, or is it, or or are you seeing even less and less of that? It's more robotic. Fill in the blanks.
0: It's less, it's less robotic and fill in the blank. We've taken time away from the process. Yeah, you know, um, I still, I'm a, I'm, I'm getting fat. I oh, don't know, I'm fat. <laughs> I'm a foodie.
1: I do not. I'm and not shaming you, Derek. It's all good.
0: No, my son, my son is. He hates for me to call him a chef because he went to culinary school. He graduated. He's saying he's earning his stripes. So he's not a chef. He's a chef in training. Nice. So he, he, he said he was going to cook us a dish. Uh, uh, he, he was like, you know, you don't see soufflés that often, so let's make a soufflé. And we're like, okay, cool. He goes, oh, but I need time to make the soufflé. And we're like, all right. And he describes it and he tells you all the process. and go, oh, but you go ahead with that. We'll be waiting. Take your time. We are like chefs but we've turned ourselves into short order cooks. Clients want soufflés. They want dishes that take forever to cook. Look, I don't trust any man that can make a brisket in five hours. (laughs) Brisket shouldn't, no.
1: No, I mean, it can technically technically be produced, but the output is going to (laughs) be not something you want to eat.
0: Then how come we can't understand this about advertising? You want to add produce faster than you want a brisket cook how stupid is that and how sad is our leadership that couldn't explain or manage the expectations of clients that this is how it is you want to know how the work got bad the work got bad because we got a group of leaders who don't value creative and they rush it they discount it they have a disdain for it And it's because of a civil war. I mentioned this to somebody else. Advertising used to be run by creatives. When it was run by creatives, we got arrogant. We got nasty. We treated every other department mean. Yep. Badly. Well, guess what? In the 90s when we crashed and then the 2000s when we crashed, guess who rose the power at the agency? It wasn't the creatives. (laughs) It was people who had lived under the thumb of bad creatives.
1: And, and all, in addition to that, those, the, when it changed from when advertising agencies decided they wanted to be lightweight versions of management consultants, and then when the digital yeah. revolution poured in and we could have all this analytics, most of the creatives said, I'm an, that's not what I do. I don't want to do that part and kind of stepped aside mm-hmm. and let it, let it go past them. And so yeah. that's where you have a whole generation of really talented, uh, experienced, creative people that can't get back into the flow of it because the, the business doesn't even look like an agency anymore for a lot of these, for a lot of these places.
0: No, I, you know, I'm sorta, of, I'm sorta of stranded now. If I wanted to shut everything down and go back to working for somebody else, I couldn't because these aren't agencies. They're accounting firms. There are two things that there's a big, the biggest lie we tell ourselves is that we make profit. No, know we make, we provide creative solutions. We could, I'm sorry. We, we supply solutions cloaked in creativity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, now, since we do that, what a lot of agencies have done is they have followed the holding company model but we're not holding companies when we're independent or we're small or medium-sized. We're fucking agencies. excuse my language.
2: It's okay.
0: <laughs> Tried not to curse, but they pissed me off about this. We try to operate like, like a holding company. So we guarantee profit. That's a mistake. We're, gar- profit's never guaranteed. Profits is if you do everything right, you might make a profit. Focus on your numbers first. When you focus on profit, how do you make profit? By cutting. Either There's only two ways to make profit. You either increase business so much that you make profit or you cut things to become profitable. Since we couldn't increase business, we've had to cut stuff. We cut deadlines. We cut people. We cut resources. We cut training. We cut everything. And then we said, we're still an ad agency. No, you're not.
1: No, it's like, it's like a zombie version of an ad agency. Yeah. It's it's an, it's an agency without the heart. The nervous center is still there, but the brain and the heart are gone.
0: Yeah. Because we're focused on the wrong thing. I worked at an agency. I will not name them. They had a leadership council, 13 of them. They averaged $32,000 in bonuses. They thought no one knew, but when they started laying folks off, Oh, and I'm sorry, that $32,000 was a quarter. Do oh the math man. on that. Oh, that's
1: insane.
0: <laughs> that's insane. Now, now, but what happened is they treated people so badly that the young ladies and young men in, a, in their accounting and finance office went out and got drunk one, one day at the pub with all the other employees because we were going through a round of layoffs, and they told all the checks they wrote. Pulled it up, (laughs) showed folks. So now everybody knows that they're averaging $32,000 for 13 people. I I think that's roughly what, a few hundred thousand. (laughs) That's insane. So when they they stand up and say, we're cutting staff, and they said this, because I asked, because we had an open door policy and it was just a a way of self-preservation. They said, we're cutting staff because we're not profitable enough they didn't say they were cutting staff because they weren't meeting numbers. They said they cut staff because they weren't profitable enough. And I politely raised my hand and reminded them we had an open door policy. So I'm just asking, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. So why don't we freeze salaries? Why don't we put in place cost cutting measures across the board? Why don't we freeze bonuses? And they go, we don't give bonuses. And the room moaned.
2: Yeah, everybody. Knew.
0: Plus, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, right. That mentality is the way too many agencies are run. The head, the people at the top don't care about the people at the bottom.
1: Yeah. They're just like, it's, tools
0: it's, to make profit.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like a pyramid scheme. I think they they mm-hmm. that happened in the 90s where the agencies when the when the accounting trend started and the agencies started looking at how agencies could make money. They said, oh, if we bill all these people at this lowest rate, at our blended rate, mm-hmm. and we bill them for 60, 70 hours a week, everybody at the top is safe. And so it just yeah. became that churn factory of just like piling work on these people instead of training them and supporting them and helping them grow uh, and just just essentially dumping the problem on them and then who gets laid off? Those same people. So you're, yeah. then, what, then what, what started to happen is that the most profitable people were the people you would cut to protect the people at the top. Mm-hmm. And so then, then you've even lied to yourself because you've said profit is, <laughs> profit is most important, but we're going to get rid of the most profitable bit to protect the least profitable bit because they're the most productive at the top and they have the best creative or the best thinking or they can, the clients mm-hmm. value them the most. But no, they don't. 'Cause you took that away.
0: Yeah. And we and it's a lack of, of respect for the craft. Those people could be replaced. We can hire three or four college kids. We don't you for that one person's salary. They can do the job.
2: Oh God, yeah.
0: And and bless them. this is not the fault of the college students. They deserve to come into an industry and be trained and mentored and coached and brought along. And we don't do that anymore. So I'm not blaming the young people for this. I'm agree, saying yeah. this is why, this is why I say they don't have the talent for this. They haven't been developed. We threw them in. The, we threw them in the deep end and said swim.
1: Well, yeah, they, they get don't. hired, and it's like, well, you have to replace this person that we had to lay off that has been doing this for mm-hmm. four years. So go, yeah. And then everybody goes, why does that person suck at their job? Well, because they just graduated yesterday and you have them running four accounts.
0: Yes. Bad idea. And lo- Lord, okay. If, if, if anybody says I said this, I'll deny it. Account <laughs> service is, a, is an art form. Good managing of an account is important.
1: Why would you not want to be credited for saying something so true and lovely?
0: Because I'm the creative. And oh, okay. You're I still wearing them. your
1: you're still wearing your creative vest it, right now.
0: Yes, they that's like that's like the cat complimenting the dog. But it's no, tr- <laughs> I can't do I can't do it.
1: But it's true. But it's you're, so it, true. It's true. The person who knows how to set expectations, who knows how to understand the real business problem or the problem the client's actually trying to solve. And and mm-hmm. and what, what really often gets overlooked is they get characterized as a, as a yes person. They're also able to come back and negotiate with the creative team and say, no, no, what they make the work better by saying, no, you missed because I, it's really more about this point than the point that you hit home. Help me get it there versus I just need this in 10 minutes and I don't care what it looks like. I'm not even going to look at it. Surprise me in the meeting.
0: Or wait a minute, I'll go further. I have worked with some great account people, absolute beautiful account people. And one account suit came to us and he said, the client wants to do this. The client should not do what the client wants to do. Will you create us? Will you media people? Will you all come with me? And let's tell the client no.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and it was, and this is what the joy of it was. The team went and we sat down and we said, we, as a group, we went, we listened, we, we went over what you said. Here's why this isn't good for you. And it wasn't just one person left standing there in front of a client.
1: Right. It was, it was, we've all talked about it and here's 17 Uh, reasons why we, we want you to hear this before you make us do it.
0: Yes. And the account exec, soup, excuse me, supervisor, did the most brilliant thing. He said, now, if we, now after hearing all of this, if you want us to insist on us doing this, please sign this form stating that you're doing this against our our judgment
1: or recommendation. And the client
0: sitting, no, the client's sitting there going, wait, what? He says, because we're going to do what you ask but then we don't want to be blamed down the road when it doesn't work or it goes bad for you.
1: I not mean, know. Was that standard practice for that agency? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so smart. What, what shop was that? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Hey, you listed, we've uh, talked about a few different problems here. We've talked about uh, empathy and lack of it talent. And, and really that's more about training and letting uh, fostering talent. Planning Mm -hmm. for how we're going to improve careers, improve business in a rational way. Profit, especially profit through cutting, and then time. I'm sure there's more. Which of those five things do you think is the most important? Which hurt the business the most?
0: None of those. Oh. We got
1: a wild card. We got a wild dark horse is coming through. Which do you have another idea?
0: Yeah, we just didn't have a plan. Yeah. I just mean In general. We don't in general, we have no plan. What's the strategy here? <laughs> how are we playing to win? Here's some I mean, do how, when's the last time an agency said, can we be too big?
1: I'll, bet, I'll you know, bet. I can pick some agencies that have probably had that conversation, but it's you can count them on one hand.
0: Yeah, and you can tell by the work.
1: Yes, and you can Christmas. tell the exact moment Christmas. when they became too big.
0: Yeah, Chris and Porter learned that the hard way. I don't think Wyden's learned that lesson because Wyden hasn't gotten there. TBWA Shiret, um, strong leadership. Require, it's, it, uh, growth requires strong leadership. And I'm not talking about an iron fist. I'm talking about somebody who's almost, when you say Lee cloud, you know, his standards.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't bring you half, half-baked ideas in front of him.
0: No, when you talk about Dan Wyden, you understand what's going on there. Um, I think the lack of strategy as to what you are as an agency. What What's an agency's product? I mean, most agencies can't tell you what their product is. And the reason I say that is go to their websites. Well, their websites are, are digital brochures.
1: Right, for anything you could possibly want. Very few want to pick yes. a lane and be in that lane.
0: And it's not a lane. If I can give you a solution, if you have a problem, pick an industry. Pick an industry. I mean in in the good old days, ad agencies would have, I mean, okay, Falgran. I'll take Falgran for example. I would work in the morning on McDonald's and in the evenings I'd work on Morningstar Farms. So I'd work on fast food and then I work on vegetarian
1: food. Right. <laughs> and there's no know, reason you couldn't um, do both successfully.
0: No. It, it, no, there's no, there, there, sprinkle some Owens, Owens Corning um, fiberglass insulation in there, some Dana automotive parts, you know. There's variety, and variety keeps the creative mind challenged. So it's important. When I say, what's our product, what really and truly do we provide? And I said it earlier, we provide solutions. To our clients' needs or problems that are cloaked as creative executions, we're problem solvers. We introduce, and that's all we really do. When does a client need us? If they have a problem, they want better sales. They need more. They need a better, um, a forward-facing um, persona. They they need whatever, you know. Yep. We we don't. Own that we're problem solvers. We're this and that. Uh, we can make sales. Um, this morning, I'm going to be in trouble because I'm on Twitter saying no agencies don't handle sales. You can tr- you control part of the sale, but when was last ter- time you bought a car just based on a com- a TV commercial? No yeah, test drive.
1: There's going to no- be a yeah right. There's going to be a point where where the brand has to take over and. I- Mm-hmm. close close that sale whether it's through a website or something else
0: so why do we bear all the responsibility if sales aren't up
1: because Derek we are because results we ha- based buddy No, I'm kidding yeah.
0: <laughs> just kidding with you yes no you are right. uh, but see we say those things without a plan when you have a we have a clear understanding of who you are and what you provide then you know where you're going and what you can do I can't make you go viral. I just, as a client, yeah. See, but every client, but clients want to go viral. Yeah, I don't think uh, you know. That's all. All of our problems are because we don't plan anything out as a business.
1: Yeah, no. That's that is the the one of the broader problems with culture is we want the washboard abs, but we don't want to eat right and do crunches for a year to get there.
0: No, I do not. <laughs> let me get, let me get round. And, and I think, um, you know, I move, uh, I, I've got a couple of people who say I move glacially slow, but in my head, I'm moving at light speed because I see the plan. I know the plan. I don't do anything that isn't part of the plan. And isn't that what we tell our clients? Every action you do, as far as your marketing is concerned, should be part of your your marketing strategy
2: or
1: your advertising strategy. Yeah, it's all part of the continuity of the brand. Anything you do that's out of that path breaks the brand for people.
0: What's that quote then? Physician, heal thyself. That's it. Why why don't agencies, uh, do agencies really look like they move like that? Only a select few.
1: It's probably you the same our- ones. If we asked, if we put up a <laughs> poll on Twitter and asked people to name the agencies that are doing it right, mm-hmm. it would be the same dozen or so agencies. Yeah. Even, even globally, and I they- could name the agencies. I could name the agencies in Australia. I could name the agencies in Europe. I could age- name mm-hmm. the agencies in, in uh, Asia everywhere. It's the same. It's this, It'll be the same group that yeah. rise to the top. Probably as it was, it'll look very similar going back every five years for 20 years.
0: Yeah. And that's not because it's not an accident. They have a plan. Yeah, they have a strategy. Now, the funny part is, is they never say anything. You know, in all this turmoil and all this uproar, you have um, Rob Rob um, Schwartz over at um, TBD TBWA New York yeah, who posts guy. a lot. You got, but um, like, think about the the agencies we're talking about. Never say a word about any of those problems because guess what they don't have the problems yeah not to the extent that the the rest of us do um and that's it's sort of telling that they can move through this world and go oh yeah that's bad until i bring up the name kramer crassle nobody knows them but guess how old kramer crassle is i don't even know they're over a hundred
1: no Yes. Are, that agency is over 100 years old? Yeah. I was going to guess 40, and I thought, oh, that's, too, that's too long. They haven't been around 40 years.
0: No. They're wow. over 100 years old, and they're independent.
1: That's probably... Still have that's, never been all. That's probably part of the key.
0: hmm I worked at um, I worked a Shy Day in, in Los Colinas. Now it's Zimmerman, and it's no longer there but they were doing regional Nissan and the client was the, the, dealers wanted to do something that was just horrendous and the contact person from LA stood up in the meeting and he said, we're not, we're not going to do Hold on.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: hold on a second again. Yeah, there we go. We, we're not going to do this because we're shy day and if you want to screw your business up you can do that on your own
1: wow wow
0: and the room stopped you know the room stopped and the the representative from nissan said he's right this is a bad move but the dealers want to do it because it drives sales but they're not looking at the at the big picture as far as what it does to the brand sure you can discount five new models Brand new models, but what's the perception in Americans? What perceptions do Americans have if you have a brand new product and you instantly discount it? Exactly. What's wrong mm-hmm. with it?
1: Never mind this fall's numbers. What do next fall numbers look like?
0: Yeah. So, and it was just it was just so cool. And you're sitting there and you go, wait, we can tell them no. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that may be the biggest symptom of all is the ability or the willingness, the courage the confidence to say no, or even even not the absence of no, because that sometimes comes off like bravado. The, the confidence to say, can we talk about this for a moment? And no, I want to give you a counterpoint. Sometimes you,
0: sometimes you just need to say no.
1: Well, that's, yeah, sometimes you do.
0: Okay, I'm gonna give you a prime example. The Pepsi, Jenner, commercial,
1: uh, the really, really good, really good. Classic bit of American advertising.
0: Someone in that room <laughs> should have said, no, you,
1: Derek, you just, let you just like, let that joke just go right past you. You said, I'm not engaging. No. Somebody should have no. just said, no, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about it.
0: <laughs> no, because everybody, because what falls back is everybody goes, you know, I think this is a bad idea. You know what? taking the titanic through an ice field was a bad idea no let's do something with the how bad could this be oh my god how bad no they found no. It. they found and the bottom yeah all of this of uh, the recent advertising faux pas missteps whatever you want to call them were because somebody just didn't say no and I'm sorry, I'm I grew up I grew up with a drill instructor for a father. My father was a drill instructor for his last part of his career in the army. And my father used to say, I don't explain my no's. He'd tell you no, pause, let you soak that in, and then you could come back and go, um, can I ask you why? And he would explain it, but he wouldn't do it he, he would never he never gives a no with an explanation. Because he says, then that shows that sends a message that I'm not really, I don't really mean it. I'm open to debate. Right. We as we as agencies need to stop our clients from falling off the tr- falling off the cliff. No, stop. Now, later on, they come back and ask me why, and let's talk about it. But no, don't do that. <laughs> it, it's, it's that simple. We try so hard to be nice that we're negotiating whether or not we you should do this. Well, what if we fix it? No, you can't fix that. Don't do this. How could you fix that spot?
1: The I don't Kent, know how. The, the, Ken, the Jenner spot? Yeah. I'd, I'd, the only way to fix it is to stop, just to not do it.
0: <laughs> then there's no discussion to be had beyond don't do this. No. And then when they go, well, why not? Okay, because Do you know how this is going to blow up? See, now we can have that dialogue. But I've already killed this idea. Some ideas deserve to die. Most. And yes, and in this democracy of ideas, no, everybody has an idea. Every idea is a good one. When I was eight, I thought strapping a a bed sheet uh, around my neck and a little mask over my face and climbing to the top of the roof was a great idea and I was going to fly. Thankfully, my mother caught me.
1: Yeah, not a good idea. And she
0: said no. No, not a good idea. It's still not a good idea. It won't work. <laughs> you know, and we we want to make everybody feel good. No.
1: I want and, to um I want to shift to the solutions that you have, because mm-hmm. you're not just naysaying. You have ideas about how to improve things and how how to get better solutions out there. Can we talk about Creative Kumite?
0: Yeah. Sure. So oh, Creative you, Kumite.
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: You Mixed before we uh, before we started recording, you were telling me a little bit about the genesis of Creative Kumite. And I want to I want you to share that with uh, with everybody listening.
0: Okay, the real backstory, and I'm sorry I'm long winded. No, it's all good. I worked at this I worked at this agency. And I had some direct reports. And one day, one of the direct reports was, I was telling them what to do. And young white guy looked at the other young white guy and he goes, you don't have to do it, Derek says, he's a diversity hire. What? And my boss went, yeah. And my my boss was you. He went, what the? And I went, no, no, no. He goes, and my boss is ready to fire him immediately. I said, no, don't fire him. I'll tell you what you do. I said, go and find, because we were at an agency with a a couple other groups, I said, go to another group and get a creative brief that neither one of us has seen and give us three days to work on it. And we'll come back and we'll present our three best ideas and we'll find out who. And I looked at him, I said, I looked at the young man, I said, we'll find out who's a diversity hire. And that's what we did. We went and got him and, he, you know, he was like all apologetic. My boss was like, no, 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 take, and, uh, excuse my language. He goes, take your ass whooping. <laughs> so we went and got him. We did him and we, we submitted him blind. So there was no way anybody could know what it was. And my boss didn't judge the creative director from that other group judge. And out of our three ideas, all three of mine were selected over him. And he never called me, a, he never called me a diversity hire again.
1: Well, I bet he didn't. Yeesh. This,
0: but this is the beginning of how we get beyond this whole diversity and inclusion thing, um, and it's the it's the beginning of the Kumite. The creative Kumite is an idea of you know when we when we go to award shows we we go oh Nike won of course Nike won Nike's an easy client Tide won Tide's an easy client try doing feminine hygiene products creatively you know it's not just diversity that has a problem with this it's across categories we we struggle with our our self-esteem i don't work at so-and-so they always win they you know whether they win because of what we talked about earlier or they win because that people just give them a buy these are issues that the kumite addresses is fairness a fair playing a level playing field So, I'm sorry, it's hard to, I wanted to go back because I need to go forward. Oh, I love it. What we're talking about isn't an award show. Award shows judge work that's been done for clients. And yes, some of them should include results. I'll never say that again. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) But not all of them. I think sometimes the craft needs to be celebrated in and of itself.
1: Yeah, there's a place for both.
0: Yes, but we don't have a true competition (laughs) where we all play on the same field with the same ball, with the same rules and the same time frame. So we're, we're talking about the creative kumite is we bring a group of creatives to one location. We break them up where they're not working with their partner. They come as an individual and we partner them with somebody they've never worked with before. And they get the same brief from the same client with the same instructions and parameters. And they get the same amount of time to work on it. And the client judges the work. Now, there is the details. Yes, there's a money prize. But the good part is there's a money prize for all participants. (laughs) So oh, that away puts in, work.
1: everybody that puts in the work gets gets credit, gets compensated in some way.
0: Yes. Now some will be lower than others. The winners get a a, a lot more than third place. Say there are four teams. The the first place team will get a, a share of a pot that's bigger than the fourth place team, which is only fair. Right. But everybody, and it's a it's higher than uh, the the numbers. We're shooting for are higher than any of the freelance rates outside of New York and 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 L A. and Chicago, because those markets are different. You know they don't they're between New York, Chicago, and L A. or how many different advertising markets that don't pay the way those three pay?
1: Oh no, because we don't hard.
0: have the cost of living. So, but we we designed it where we only have one sponsor, and that sponsor submits a the brief, the, the people work off of the brief, then the sponsor comes back and judges the work on the final day and awards the winner. We, um, the, there's no entry fee for the participants. We, we pay for that. We cover that. We cover their flight in and their hotel. Oh, wow. Because there's, because there's an economic di- divide. We got people that are freelancing who barely making it. I know creatives that are working as security guards and working at Walmart, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they shouldn't have to do that. But they have to. So why? How could this? And they're great creatives. They're just in the wrong market, or they they work for the wrong client. So how do we bring these people in? You're asking them to pay to come play. No.
1: Well, that's that's why bring them in. That's why the big markets dominate all the award shows too. They have have clients with resources to produce more work that are higher production value, Mm -hmm. but also just the cost of entering that stuff.
0: Exactly. So, you know, it's so funny to me. Sometimes you look at some of these diversity and inclusion events, and I know those because that's where I live. Well, no, I'll take it back. I'll take the small agency (laughs) event for Mad Age calling names. That thing costs above $1,200 to attend. Yeah, and that's more, just to, to attend. It's wild. That's not that's not my airfare, and that's not my hotel. But it's for small agencies.
1: Yeah,
0: it's, not, know, it's not I really broke, thoughtful I,
1: about the way about the, the nature of small agency business. I mean, it's cheaper. Probably no, the, their bigger agency awards are probably ten times that, but still, it's still not very very yeah. thoughtful.
0: No, we have that with diversity and inclusion summits or events.
1: All of them cost money.
0: They're gonna do here are all the black people in New York at the end of this uh, end of October. And they have some scholarships and they have some some really good stuff going. But think about it, it's in New York. If you are unemployed in advertising in Wichita, Kansas, as a and you're doing freelance work out of Wichita. How many jobs do you have to do to be able to afford to come to New York for three days, two or three days?
1: Right. Right. Instead of, instead you know, of paying for things that are important in your life.
0: Yeah. You make me happy. So we've eliminated that with the Kumite. I love it. That economic divide, it is So that's one thing off your mind. Plus everybody gets paid because it sends a subliminal message to both the clients and the creators, that ideas are worth something. Even bad ideas should be compensated for. Um, The client owns all the work generated at the end because the the hope is that the client sees, look, we brought together a diverse group of folks and in three or four days they did work and it's not finished work, it's the idea, the concept. I and we paid,
1: and we paid for it, and so now I'm going to bring it back, and I know it has value.
0: Yes, and the cool part is, hey, if if these people are freelancing or are looking for work, you, the client can turn to their agency and go, "Hey, we like this person. Why aren't they working for you?" It helps the agencies; they can recruit from it. It's no, there's no no lose to it except it costs money. Um, but the idea is we need this competition. We used to, when I was in Dallas, we used to sit in the pub and concept as, I mean, across agencies, we did it in, we did it in Milwaukee. We did it in Columbus, Ohio, everywhere I've been, we used to get together after hours as a create group of creators and play only in that play. Do we get to know each other? Um, I've got an art director I work with and because of the nature of the comment, I, I don't want to use his name, but he he, he told me, he said, you know what D? if I hadn't worked with you, I'd still be prejudiced. Mm. Because he grew up in an all white, predominantly white town. His parents had never worked with, with anybody black or known anybody black. All he knew of black people was what he saw on TV or in the media. So he had no expectations for, for and we became friends, we, you know, and I needed to hear that from him.
1: And it's all because you let each other in your heads, you shared ideas, you shared yes. thoughts, mm-hmm. you, you said yes to no to each other's ideas.
2: Yeah.
0: Powerful. I- We try all of this stuff, but we don't understand that our diversity and inclusion problem in advertising isn't a a black or Hispanic or a male or a female or male or female. I mean, a female problem. Excuse me. It is the problem of leadership at the agencies. It's the problem of the people that work at the agencies. And how do we change those hearts and minds and we never ask how we change the hearts and minds. We tra- we talk about removing those people and that's not right or logical. No, those folks create- aren't going anywhere.
1: Yeah. It just creates more. We issues.
0: just create. Yeah. Why not? Let's start playing together. And the Kumite right now is structured to be art directors and copywriters and creative directors. We're going mm-hmm. each team is going to have a creative director. Oh, I love it. So so we have one creative director and three sets – well, three art directors and three copywriters under that one creative director. So he pairs those folks up according – he or she pairs those folks up according to how they best want to manage their team. And each team is like that. All of the Kumite is trying to do a lot of things in a short period of time. And one of the the potential sponsors went, this is so much – and I looked at him and I was like, but this is what we do all day, every day anyway. Right. This is nothing for us. Um, the, the, the strange thing is, is we hadn't figured out. So we're going to bring them all together. We're going to pay them. We got money prizes. And I'm now on the hunt to find a brave client.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, me this, first? hopefully this episode is going to help. I will, oh, uh, please. I will definitely be promoting this. And if you're a listener to this, I encourage you to share this idea of the creative Kumite. Um, we're going to post links to it and make sure that the word definitely gets out. Where can people find you online, sir? LinkedIn and Twitter, I, I ramble on. Um, <laughs> but
0: thank you very All much. Right,
1: man. This has been awesome. All right. Thank you so much for making time. No problem. Thank you. Wait, don't stop listening, the show's not over. If you liked what you just heard, or you've liked any of the episodes of Strategy Inside Everything, do me a favor, I really appreciate it. Leave a review wherever you listen to the show, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever. Please leave us a rating and a review. Please, if you can, share this episode or another episode with a friend. Let them know what you liked about it. Uh, That helps us quite a bit. If you have ideas for guests, for topics, follow up on episodes you've heard, you can tweet at us, at APRN, that's me, or at strategy underscore inside, that's the show. Either way, I promise I will respond to you and get back to you right away. And listen, running this show is a labor of love. I really do it just because I enjoy the conversations, but it does cost money. So web hosting costs money. Microphones cost money. My kids' haircuts cost money. If you wouldn't mind, look at our Patreon, Patreon, uh, Adam Pierno there and you can help us out quite a bit. For more information about all the guests we've had, anything you want to know about the podcast, uh, my two books, Underthink It in specific, or ways to engage with me as a strategy consultant or as a speaker at your next event, please go to adampirno.com and you'll find all the information you want. And if you can't, just send me a note. Thanks a lot.